Welcome to the Guide Sessions, a podcast where we talk about stories of adventure as told by the guides who experienced them. I'm your host, Jim Aiken. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Jim Aiken. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support. If you like what you hear, feel free to rate and subscribe. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about tags and applications. Most states' applications uh, have already kind of opened and closed. Uh, However, if you happen to not draw a tag, there's still options out there. Okay, You can contact me at the Guide Sessions Consultant. You can come through the website, theguidesessions.com, or you can look me right up on Instagram at the Guide Sessions. Uh, shoot me a message, be like, hey, I'm looking to do a hunt somewhere, and I'll help you figure it out. I've got some outfitters that I'm working with in different states, even Africa, even some up in Canada. So I'm pretty sure I can find you a place to hunt, uh, even with overcounted elk, you know, a, a cow tag. I can get you hooked up with an outfitter if you want to go get some elk meat. All right. There's opportunities out there if you don't if you don't get a tag. Go get experience. Go get reps. If you've never hunted elk, there's nothing wrong with hunting a cow because you're in the elk woods. So that actually when you finally get that opportunity to draw that bull tag of wherever you're drawing or wherever you're applying, you're going to have experience and reps in the elk woods. You're going to see how they act. You're going to see how they move. You're going to be in that environment that they're in. So you're going to learn how to prepare yourself for that moment that maybe perhaps a once in a lifetime tag that you've been waiting 15, 20 years for. So if you've never been on a trip or something like that, there's opportunities there. So reach out, contact me. I'd love to help you out. Hey guys, as you're probably aware, most of my life evolves around the outdoors, whether it be guiding hunts or filming content or just hunting and fishing for myself. For a while now, I have actually struggled with my weight. I was hauling around about 40 plus pounds that I didn't need, and it was really starting to become a burden to me physically, both in the woods as well in the gym. If you have been following me on social media, you will have noticed that I have actually found a nutrition program that has not only perfectly fit my hectic schedule of not only my daily job, but all the work I do outside of that in the hunting industry. It also has got me healthy, got that weight off, and it did it really quickly. I'm really excited about it and would love to share more information with you, but I don't want to delay this podcast any further. So if you'd like to learn more, shoot me a message or an email. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to this episode. I'm a little behind on getting some of these podcasts out. You know, sometimes life happens, but that's how life goes. So September is on its way out and October is here. Most of uh, the elk archery seasons are wrapping up while a lot of the whitetail seasons and mule deer seasons are starting to kick off. I did see some great bulls on social media hit the ground, so congrats to those people and good luck to those heading out for the rifle season. With whitetail and mule deer season being here, I can't wait to hear about people's adventures. I already got some friends going out to some cool units, and I know uh, my daughter's pretty excited to, to get out there and hit the woods whenever we can between all my trips this fall, filming and whatnot, so... Um, but also as for me, South Africa, that was great. I'm still overwhelmed. Uh, my buddy and I were able to take a few animals, but I'm going to save those details for a future podcast. So stay tuned. Um, but what I can say about South Africa, it is a trip that 
every hunter should experience at least once. However, I'll be honest, it will be hard not to want to go back because I'm already planning my return trip. So for all you listeners out there, if you've ever considered South Africa a destination, don't be afraid to reach out because I'll help you navigate all the issues that I had um, that you'll hear about on the podcast as well as any questions because who knows, you're probably going to help you start your next hobby. So um, looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, up next for me, I'm actually heading out to Colorado, but not for elk. Uh, a buddy of mine invited me to go out for a, a long weekend for doing some fly fishing, and we're actually going to film the trip. And who knows, depending on how it goes and how many fish we catch, we might even try and submit this thing to the fly fish film tour. But uh, you don't know. Got to have goals. Got to have a plan. So we'll see where this is going to take us. But anyway, as for today's show, in this episode, we are heading north across the U.S. border into Canada. And we're talking with Steve Peachy of McMillan River Adventures. Steve didn't start hunting until he was in his probably early 20s, if I remember correctly. A few years into hunting, he was introduced to moose hunting. And after one season, he caught the moose bug and he was hooked and didn't look back. In this episode, we discuss getting started as a guide. Obviously, we're going to talk about moose. Uh, The importance of client service, calling strategies, bears in camp. They're always fun. Uh, details of what to expect, fitness levels. We have all this and much more. This conversation is entertaining and educational that I'm pretty sure you do not want to miss. So it's Steve Peachy, talk with me on the Guide Sessions Podcast. All right, we are live, and today on the show, we've got Steve Peachy, who is a moose hunting guide with Macmillan River Adventures up in the Yukon Territory in North Bay, Ontario. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, kind of pre-podcast here, you're talking about they're sitting in your office. Where? So where are you at right now in your office? Obviously in your office, but like, are you up in Canada or are you down in the States? No, I'm up in Canada in uh, North Bay, Ontario, which uh, is, for, for, for reference, is about three and a half hours north of Toronto, okay. which is our, our, you know, our biggest metropolitan, metropolis city. Um, yeah, so we're just a little bit north of the big city and uh, north enough to be able to enjoy the outdoors here. Yeah, I mean, you're... I haven't been up that I haven't I haven't been into Canada, so I just know where you are in a map. So like when you're saying that, like I can picture it. But uh, but you're you're definitely up there, up in the wide open territories for sure. Yeah, and and fifty about fifty five hundred kilometers, which I guess would be about thirty two hundred miles from the Yukon. So it's a uh, it's a long commute to uh, to where I love to be, but uh, it's worth it. <laughs> That's right. Um, so. Your big thing, I just want to touch on it real fast, is moose. And, like, why moose? Is that because, like, it's just what's there? Or it's just, I mean, they're giant animals. And I've talked with a bunch of people. And a lot of people get turned away because you got to, like, haul them out heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I started hunting as a, as a, I guess, a young man. So not as a teenager or a kid. My family didn't hunt and uh started hunting small game and then i've always loved moose used to do school projects on them just a fascination with the animal um but not in in a hunting sense and uh so when i finally kind of saw my first one while hunting uh that was it it was over so there was no more duck hunting no more (laughs) upland game 
or upland bird. Right. Uh, it would, it's just moose. <laughs> just moose. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're, they're giants for sure. And I've never hunted them yet, but it's kind of a bucket list thing for me. I'll, I'll get there eventually. I know my daughter, she's like, that's like her ultimate, like, she goes, I want a moose. And I was like, okay, we're going to find somewhere to get one. But so they're yeah. around. Um, yeah. So before we get too far into everything, um, can you kind of give us a little background about yourself, about like what you do, what you do for a living outside of guiding and kind of like roll into if you got started late in hunting as an adult, you know, did you, how did you like procure that into guiding from there? So, yeah, so started hunting, basically got a license with my buddy, Tim, and, uh, we decided, uh, you know what, we're just going to hunt grouse cause we kind of loved being in the bush anyways. So, um, got my license and everything was good and, uh, kind of progressed from there. But I was probably 22 when I first got my hunting license and I didn't start hunting moose till my late twenties. Um, cause we were just happy shooting, shooting grouse, uh, yeah. bush chickens are delicious. <laughs> yeah. So. They're, they're fun too. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. And up North here, there's a ton of them. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's a nice time of year to be, uh, in the bush, of course. Um, yeah. And then, uh, did kind of, well, actually our first moose hunt, uh, I'll ramble on a bit here, but, um, we went up about five hours north of North Bay to a town called Kapuskasing, which is Northern Ontario. And, uh, we went up on a gross hunt and my buddy suggested, you know, why don't we buy a Fred bear bow and apply for archery hunt for a moose? <laughs> none of us had either, none of us had moose hunted before. And, you know, YouTube wasn't, wasn't around at that time. So we ended up, you know, getting, I drew a bull tag and we jumped up and I 410 into my bow in hand. And the 410 was more important because if I saw a gross, I was shooting it. And, uh, yeah, so we went up, uh, drove north and did our first moose hunt. And it's a, kind of a funny story, but the, with, you know, not growing up with, with family that hunted, I had zero experience. So I went, we set up our tent and I went down this creek, uh, did a couple calls, what I thought were cow calls. And sure enough, you know, there's, I hear this bull grunt. And I, at the time I didn't know what a bull grunt was. It was mm-hmm. just some really weird noise. <laughs> And, and it kept getting closer and closer and then, you know, branches are breaking and it sounded like a freight train coming through the bush. So I was getting a little nervous. So what I did instead of draw back and get ready to, to shoot, I actually ran back to camp and I said, I'm not, I'm not sticking around for that. <laughs> and then my buddy comes back and I, I relay the story and he's like, Oh dude, I think that was a bull moose. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was my first moose hunt. So uh, come a long way since then uh, no longer afraid uh, of any noises but that uh, that kind of how it all started yeah so what do, you, what do you do for a day job so for a day job the last 20 to 25 years now i'm i'm an investment advisor so i uh i, I manage people's yeah. people's money you help people uh, get rich <laughs> yeah yeah and so plan their futures do, uh, yeah yeah i I used to have a hunting hat that I made for certain clients and it was I had it uh, managing your box. And <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, with a little deer head in the back and uh, a bit corny but it's true. Uh yeah, yeah we try to make people's dreams a reality and uh yeah, that's that's the fun part. It's an office job. It's uh you know, sit at a desk all year, so jumping in 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 the bush doing some hunting is a really nice release. And uh 
yeah, uh, I'm glad I have hunting to be able to fall back on because sitting at a desk is just, it's not always exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear that. I, I have a desk job as well in, in the off season. So, you know, you're surrounded by walls and windows and you just look outside and you're just like, man, there's other places I want to be right now. But <laughs> Yeah, daydream, eh? Oh, yeah. Me, hopefully not yeah. too much. You, you do have to do some work to pay bills, but. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I was saying earlier, it's, uh, you got to work to pay for the hunting gear. That's right. Yeah. That, that stuff's not getting any cheaper as they're coming out. Technology's increasing like crazy and more technologies yeah. come out on gear and clothing, making things easier, more comfortable to withstand the elements for a longer period of time. So that's, that's huge. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And if, if I can take a little side trip here, yeah. how I got into guiding, um, I had, I had, I had emailed a bunch of outfitters in Ontario and I just, just thought, you know, I, I can do this. Uh, I, I was ignorant cause uh, I didn't have any business being a guide, but, um, anyways, I didn't get any response from an inter- from any Ontario outfitters. And I always watched those Ralph and Vicky shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all McMillan river and, and Don was in a bunch of them. And, uh, so I said, you know what? I was I was on the treadmill watching a video on YouTube, and I said, I'm, I'm going to email this guy. And I emailed him, and uh, anyways, he responded, which which was shocking. But my email was basically, you know, I don't have any experience in guiding, but um, your clients are a lot like my clients where they're wealthy, and they have expectations, and I can help manage those expectations. And at the same time, I can call Moose. And uh, so he called right away and says, I'm, I'm intrigued because <laughs> I think that, you know, your, your typical guide, um, at least, you know, the guys I work with are, you know, there's a lot of trappers. There's like they're bush guys and mm-hmm. extremely knowledgeable, um, hardworking. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm knowledgeable, but I'm not, I'm not a blue collar guy. I can't, I can't build cabins. I can't fix motors. And most guides that I know can, but what, what I can do is, is I can connect with people because that's what I do all day long every day yeah and uh, so I just I just told I told Don the outfitter I said you know you're gonna have that certain client that you're gonna think oh you know what that Steve guy might be they might be a good click so then that's where I fit in and mm-hmm. you're gonna have your other guys that, that want that guy that can you know lift 400 pounds of moose quarters on his back and anyway so he said oh, you know what I'll give you a shot so yeah, that's, I, I guess somehow my investment uh, business uh, kind of parlayed into guiding. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you got investment, but also you got the people connection, which is a huge part in guiding. You know, it's like similar to me where, you know, I started guiding, like I went out elk hunting. I'd never been on elk hunt, let alone a horseback elk hunt, you know, that I didn't know nothing about horses. I didn't even know how to saddle a horse. But I was yeah. able, I told the similar situation with me, it was like, I was able to, I can connect with people and I can entertain and, and do all those guide things. But if you want me to, you know, maintain the generator and change the oil and stuff, I'm not your guy. Like I know my limits, <laughs> like that whole, like stay in your lane kind of deal. Like I know what my lane was yeah. and I made it very clear to the outfit about what my lane was and not that I wasn't yeah. able to learn and not open to learning it, but those things. But like, if you're really going to count on me to do this part, you're not going to get that from me. So yeah, you know, having yeah, that but same thing. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm sure your outfitter, you know, elk hunts again. You know, they cater to a to a certain type of person, and and if you can keep, you know, your outfitter's clients happy, 
and 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 build a quick relationship with them you're 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 miles ahead of of the next guide so mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's there's so much more to a, a guide than just going out and just killing an animal and being able to maintain all that stuff it's 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 like you said it's truly that personal connection that you can develop but you have to do it in a short amount of period of time you know yeah like, yep. cuz you have them for such a limited window you know 5 days 3 days whatever it is and you've got that short amount of time to build that relationship as fast as possible and give them the time of their life that they went like, yeah, I'm coming back next year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in our instance, so we're 10-day hunts with a day of travel on each end. So I'm usually with my client for 11 days. But, I mean, it's it's these are high-cost hunts, high-pressure. So you you really got you, you got to set that relationship up like within the next, the first couple hours because – if the client lands and 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 sees that you know maybe you're not experienced, maybe you're not this, you're not that. You got to focus on what you are. Like you said, you know, stay in your lane. Because um, yeah, if if you start showing shortcomings, that guy's not going to be happy uh, mm-hmm. in in very short order. Right. So you know, yeah, you have a couple of hours to make a good first impression, and then yeah, then you just have to get a moose for them and they got any and they're happy yeah <laughs> tell a bunch of fake stories <laughs> yeah 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 exactly exactly yeah yeah we got six six massive bullwinkle moose you know 300 yards from the cabin you're gonna be have great hunt <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's that's one of the toughest parts is most of our clients are from the u.s and you know, you go on an elk hunt, you might see, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you might see 30 or 40 elk or deer hunting. Like I had one guy from Tennessee and he sees 40 or 50 deer in the morning. Yeah. And like, I don't see 40 moose in the entire month I'm there. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like, there's hours and hours of absolutely nothing, mm. but when it happens, it, uh, it yeah. happens quick and it happens uh, big time. So for you, I mean, with yeah, nothing, with not like really, I want to kind of go back to that first question I had about like why moose. Like, what what about moose does it for you? Like, what is it the the size? Is it the long hours of the thirty seconds of finally getting the animal, or what is it? I think it's the pursuit because I I just find them to be a, a very majestic, beautiful animal, uh, very tasty also, but. <laughs> um, yeah, up, up here we, we, we meat hunt. So, uh, But yeah, I think moose, um, just the, the thrill of the chase. And, and what I really love about them is, is communicating. So, you know, to get a moose in, you, you typically have to call. Uh, I mean, okay. a lot of a lot of guys uh, in the territories they're in, they can spot and stalk. I've never had that luxury. Um, we're in thick, thick country, so we're calling. And when you call and you hear that first grunt, uh, there's n- to me, there's no feeling like it. Mm. It's like, I guess it's like a turkey hunt. You know, you do your, your your calls with turkey, which which is a lot of fun in the spring, but amp that up a million times, and and you got a moose grunt. Mm. And uh, are they that loud? Yeah, I think it. No, I don't, I don't mean volume wise. Oh. I mean excitement. Oh, excitement wise. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually, no, they're not loud at all. Um, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you can hear them easy, but um, for whatever reason, I think my hearing isn't isn't the best. But I I can hear a moose grunt a mile away, 
and most of the time I'll be telling the client like, Oh, we got a, we got a moose grunting down here. And, and he'll be, Oh, I don't hear anything. So I'm telling you there's one coming <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And usually it's, you know, a couple minutes and then they look at me and, Oh my God, I just heard a moose grunt. I say, yep. That's yep. him. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I think it's just the, it's just the excitement and the thrill and watching this, you know, well, in the Yukon is 14, 1500 pound animal walk, walk over to you. Um, it's, it's, it's just so exciting. Yeah. I, I can't imagine, a, you know, I said, I know how big elk are and there, and the moose is even bigger and seeing that I've had, I've had elk walk close to me. I couldn't imagine having a bull moose like yards away. It's just like <laughs> I had one, staring uh, up at it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I had one last year where I had said to my hunter, I said, I, you know, I'm going to try and get him in because he was coming right up to it, just a young bull. And I thought I had my shoulder blade and I thought, okay, I'm going to I'm going to knock his antler. But uh, <laughs> as he got, you know, within four or five yards, the eyes were rolled back and he's drooling. And I thought, oh, this is this isn't good. Uh, so so I changed my mind. I didn't him. <laughs> you didn't want to fight him. No, 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 but yeah, they're even the little guys are monstrous. So yeah, when you say you grab your shoulder, you mean you got like a? What do you mean by that? For oh, somebody who doesn't so, know, so my yeah, so my tools I, I call with my hands. I use a birch bark uh, call for for grunting. My hand, you know, my hands and mouth for uh, cow calling, and I use a moose shoulder blade, so the scapula. Okay. And I use that to um, basically to rake the brush. And I've had, uh, I've probably had more moose come in just by raking than I, than I have even with calling. Really? And the scapula has a, yeah, it has a very bone-like sound to it. So it's natural. It sounds good. um, And and the moose like it. Some guys will use a paddle and some guys will use, you know, a piece of plywood. But I just find those shoulder, shoulder blades, uh, they work beautifully. Yeah. I've, I've seen like on shows, YouTube and TV, like a lot of people use, use the paddle kind of deal. And, uh, yep. um, yeah, never, never really seen the, the, the shoulder and they say, and not that I knowingly saw it with shoulder, but like how heavy is that to carry around though? Ah, it might be a pound and a half. Really? I mean, that's it's big, it. So it, yeah. 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 It's not, uh, and it's, I mean, probably the size of a tennis racket. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it's a bit cumbersome when you're, you're, if you're walking miles or whatever, but, um, I don't, I don't leave camp without it mm. ever. It's my go-to, and and even sometimes you know we'll get a bull coming in grunting and he hangs up. I know all I need to do is use that shoulder blade, and I've got him. Really? Yeah, uh, he's he'll come in on a trance. Interesting. Interesting. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just so natural sounding. Makes me want to like go try with a whitetail. Go get a shoulder whitetail and start raking at and see what that sounds like. Probably not the same as a. Yeah. But you know, it's the same same thought process maybe, but who knows. Yeah, yeah. To, the next the next whitetail, I should have to save the shoulder <laughs> and try it out. Yeah, yeah. Those would be a little smaller than the moose ones, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. You know, even like elk, you know, because like a lot of times when I rake for elk, it's just take another tree branch and just run it against the the tree and just smashing branches. So I wonder, if, like, if even if you took like an elk I shoulder bet you blade, it would. It, would, it yep. would sound a little bit different. Yep. There we go. We've got a new line of calls. I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I'm walking through anything thick, I'll uh, I'll just hold that shoulder blade so it just ticks the odd branch. Nothing major, but it you know moose can hear. I mean, they've got parabolic mics beside their ears. Their ears are nine inches long, so 
um, they can hear everything. So just try to try to give some natural sound. And yeah, I, I always hold that thing up and just the odd little tick and yeah, yeah. Since, since you're talking about ears, I didn't even think about this until you said that. And knowing that, like you say, they got big ears, and I guess they even like their their antlers are like big like satellite dishes that just cup the sound even more, right? So as yep. you're hunting them, how how quiet do you need to be? Like like can you like not talk? Like if if they can hear a tick of a something on a branch a mile away, and you snap a twig when you're walking, like how's how quiet yeah so so i mean some guides would would just shake their head at what i do and i shake my head at what they do but when i'm walking and this this is just something i, I learned from it from my own experiences but when i'm walking if i see a dead dead tree on the ground i'm stomping on it i'm breaking branches i'm i'm making noise because otherwise i'll sound like a predator because a wolf's not going to bust a branch a bear bears don't bust anything the only thing that busts brush is a moose and up where we are there's no i mean there are elk around but there's no elk there's no deer so if something breaks a branch it's a moose mm. so there's no sense me trying to tippy toe through the spruce forest thinking i'm quiet when there's no way i can be quiet with me and a hunter so i i break stuff huh? and i make all kinds of racket yeah you know? yeah it's funny that uh that kind of use the same philosophy with, with elk too is like i'm telling people don't be afraid to break a branch because same thing like the predators are the more quiet ones you know if something comes up and you break a branch the elk just might think it's just another elk over there yep yep yeah exactly the first time that i that i even thought of busting stuff is uh, my buddy tim was uh actually went came down off his stand to uh to relieve himself and he stepped on a dead branch by mistake and looked up and his bull came charging at him. I think he shot it at 30 yards. Um, but that was all attributed to the fact that he stomped on a branch and moose thought it was another moose came running in. Yeah. It's natural sounds. It is, you know, you can't beat it. You know, if you can replicate a natural yep. sound, whether, whether yep. it's a shoulder blade or stomping on a dead tree. Exactly. The one thing that I, I am a stickler about is quiet clothing, though, because you have any of that, that that plastic swishing sound or Velcro or anything like that, that is not natural. Mm -hmm. But wool, fleece, um, you know, you, you got to quiet that, that you, you can't have a, that plastic sound. Um, guys with their gloves, you know, they're taking their glove off to get their bow ready and, you know, ripping Velcro. Yeah, that's, and that's not a natural sound. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so I, uh, I I wear a wool sweater. I think I bought it from the Gap years ago. Um, <laughs> I've got all this expensive gear in the boat, but I throw on my thirty-nine dollar wool, brown wool sweater. Uh, that's my go-to because it's quiet. Yeah. So like, you got all that expensive gear, like camo-wise. If you're just wearing a brown, I guess their eyesight's not the greatest, right? And plus, it's so thick. By the time you see them, that they're right there in your face. It's too late. For yeah, them. and my. Yeah, and, and my philosophy is look like a moose because he's coming looking for a moose. Okay. So so my, my I wear like beige pants and a black or a brown. I, well, in Ontario, it's black because the moose t tend to be a bit darker, but up in the Yukon, the moose are more of a brown blonde. So I've, I've switched everything to, to brown. And uh, like I've, I've got a bunch of Kuyu gear, and their ash color is just the perfect color. Hmm. So, yeah. 
Tonight. He's he's you know, a moose coming in is looking for a moose. So I, I try to look look like one. I'm a little bigger too, so I, I might look like a big bull. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming and looking for some guy wearing camo that you can't even see some invisible something making a sound. But like, yeah, if he comes in and actually sees a, a subject that he can see, that that kind of goes back to a lot of different things where animals, when you call to them, they'll come up to a, like a hang up spot where they're looking for something and if you're in full camo yeah. they're not seeing nothing yeah like could you imagine turkey hunting if you could dress kind of looking like a turkey oh yeah you know all those toms that hang up at 80 yards they, they'd be running in yeah so yeah it's like some of the states they call like them a... they call them like reaping where you actually have like those big people hide behind the turkey decoy and like walk at the turkey yeah. you know and uh yep. but yeah it's same thing yep crazy crazy um as far as getting like getting a tag, what is the tags up there? Is it like over the counter? Is it lottery? Is it just you know permitted out through the government? So, so every outfitter has their allocation for tags. Okay. Um, they're usually a very healthy allocation. There's there's more moose than people in the Yukon, um, so there's not a problem with with getting the tag. It's the problem is is paying for the tag. Right. <laughs> so it you know it's included in your hunt, and these hunts aren't getting any cheaper um so yeah so you know when we have a hunter come up he's got a pocket full of tags he'll have a grizzly tag caribou tag uh moose black bear wolf wolverine and uh typically you know a normal hunt you'll be looking for one species but if something else comes out you have that yeah you have the opportunity of you know if you see a world-class grizzly bear that that you know you absolutely do want to take you got to tag for it in your pocket so mm. so now you bring up grizzly I, that grizzly wasn't even on my radar for this conversation but since you brought it up i'm going to go there um <laughs> oh great i have to reveal all my fears <laughs> i was gonna say i was like how how bad is the grizzly population i was like do you have is it that panic moment that like when you shoot the rifle it's ringing the dinger bell that you know that something's coming in or I, you know, I've heard a lot of that in Alaska, um, where we are. So I've, I've, I've spent four months now, four years guiding. Um, this will be my fifth and I'm yet to see a grizzly. Okay. Uh, I've heard one and heard one real close, but, um, yeah, they're, they're elusive enough. They're smart enough to, to not come around. We know that they hit our, our, um, gut piles. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I've most most hunters that come up with us are looking for the moose, and when they get the moose, they're they're good. Um, you know, they're not out for a bear hunt. Right. Um, most of the ones I've had, we we do have some hunters looking for a grizzly, but um, the clients that I've taken care of um, haven't been interested. But uh, yeah, we don't don't typically see a ton of them, but we see sign all the time. There's you know, oftentimes there's tracks over our tracks from the day before. Um, how's that so, feel yeah, when you see you that? A nervous. I was gonna say, how's that feel when you <laughs> see that? Yeah, just like a little nervous. Now, yeah, do you like carry? Got, do you carry a weapon or anything? Yeah. So my first few years, I would carry my 300 uh, short mag with me. Kind of, a, you know, it's a good backup for the hunter, and you know, if a moose comes around. So usually, I'll I'll carry the rifle during the hunt, and and then I have a 12 gauge uh, with slugs at camp. Oh, okay. Because the last thing I need is, you know, if a, if a bear is coming in the front door, uh, you know, at three or four yards, I don't need a scope. Uh, <laughs> right. And a three, I, I need something to, to knock them down. Yeah. So a nice, nice, nice slug hopefully could do that. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, haven't had any real scares. Had a had a false scare one one time, uh, sleeping in. Uh, I don't know who, but one of us kind of knocked the wall and in these cabins there. I mean, it's 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 thin plywood, uh, so you knock a wall and it's loud. So mm-hmm. we both jump out of bed and figuring it's a bear. And remember my my hunter said, "Oh." oh Peachy, where's where's the gun? I said, oh shoot! It you know it's by the fire outside, <laughs> and he says, "Well, get the pepper spray. Uh, it, it's beside the gun." <laughs> so 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 I had to throw throw my uh, headlamp on and run out, and grab the gun, and anyways, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything. Hunter went back to bed. I stayed up sitting in a chair waiting for this bear to come back. And then he knocked his knee on on the wall again, and I realized, oh shoot, no. it, it was just us. <laughs> but yeah, I'm scared for nothing. Right. So it's funny. My yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my outfitters, you know, because he knows I, I I was a little afraid of bears, and he's like, don't don't you have black bears at home? He's like, oh yeah, we got black bears all over the place. They walk through my yard. And he's like, well, I'd be more afraid of a black bear than a grizzly bear. So he said, get over your fear. <laughs> So you mentioned camp. What like what's your camp setup? Like having you know, if you're out there for a month, you have like one base camp or a bunch of like satellite camps that you boat to, or like how's that work? So we we've got a couple different types of hunt uh, hunts. We do horseback. We're there at, at you know spiking out all the time, and then we have our boat hunts. So our boat hunts are run on lakes and rivers. Um, I'm not a horse guy, so I I run the boats, um, and we'll have. You know, like I've done a river for a couple of years and a couple of different lakes. And uh, um, so we'll have the one cabin to come back to every night. Okay. And the cabins, you know, I don't know, maybe 12 by 16, comfortable metal roof. Mm-hmm. No insulation because the bears would rip through that anyways. Uh, it's got a wood stove, cook stove, and it's comfortable. It's not luxury, but we're comfortable. We're warm and dry. And and yeah, so no no tenting out, which is which is nice. Yeah, I mean that's kind of like a remote camp like that. It's that's all you can ask for, really. I mean, you can't have a full on. Yeah, yeah. No, no, and we, I mean, we eat well. The the outfitter provides us with you know fresh meat every every hunt and a couple little veggies and so yeah, it's uh, it's comfortable. Yeah, that's good. Not that, luxurious, but comfortable. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. And it's and it's kind of what you need is coming back to some place where that is just comfortable. Yeah, at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's huge. Huge recovery. Huge for mental recovery as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the, men- the mental part, I mean, you bring it up, the, the mental part of the hunt, as you know, um, it's easy to get down on a hunt because we'll, we'll go two or three days, inevitably in every hunt, you'll have two or three days where like you hardly hear a squirrel. There's just nothing going on. And it, it's easy to get discouraged. These guys are paying big bucks. We're not seeing results. Um, so what I, what I've tried to do is I'll incorporate, um, you know, eggs Benedict on day four, if it's not going good or, you know, pancakes and bacon, uh, who doesn't love pancakes, right? Um, another good comfort meal for supper. I'll make a shepherd's pie, which is, I don't know if I, I'm French Canadian, so I don't know if it's a French thing, but it's just hamburger, corn and potatoes all mixed in and hunters love it. Little shredded cheese. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just uh, try to give a little bit of a mental boost. You know, if you get a good meal in you and, you know, clients clients leave on a full belly and are happy, it just lifts the mood a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like, can you go over like your maybe like day to day, not really day to day, but like 
because you mentioned about cooking, like, so you're cooking meals yourself. You don't have a, a, a camp cook? No, no. No, you're the cook, bottle washer. Yeah. So th- that part was, that's where I was ignorant as I thought, you know, I can call moose. Uh, I can be a guide. And then you get out there and you realize like, okay, well, it's, it's me that makes the coffee. It's me that's got to get the fire going. Um, so I'm up, you know, say an hour, an hour and a half, probably an hour before the client and I'll wake the client up about a half an hour before it starts getting light, uh, probably an hour before it starts getting light. Um, but you know, pot of coffee's already on the cabin's warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got breakfast kind of started or planned. And then you got to think of shoot, you know, got to get gas in the boat and got to pack a lunch and got to take out something for supper cause it's frozen in the cooler. So, so yeah, your, your mornings are, are a little bit busy. Um, so it's kind of nice. I, I usually bring my coffee to go and jump in the boat. And when we're boating to a spot, I could just kind of relax, get the, get the binoculars, look around and have my coffee. And, uh, yeah. And then start, uh, we try to get out very close to first light. I don't like to leave in the dark because up there you, you never know where there's going to be a moose. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm boating in the dark, we can't, just we drive can't right see by one. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I mean, there are a lot of deer hunters, you know, they're in their stand an hour before light. Uh, turkey hunting the same thing but mm-hmm. with with moose up there um there's no sense going anywhere in the dark yeah that makes sense so yeah so Didn't... so so with the morning morning hunts there um if there's a frost in the morning that frost will last till at least noon so it's not uh, even if it warms up in the day it doesn't warm up till two or three in the afternoon so we get a, a really long morning to hunt and then we'll typically come back to the cabin Sometimes we'll stay out, but we typically come back to the cabin for lunch, a uh, little recharge. Uh, sometimes it's a 20-minute nap or so, and most times, and then head out for the uh, for the afternoon again. Um, then have dinner at you know 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night, which isn't ideal, but got to got to eat supper somehow. And That's right. So yeah, they're they're long days. Yeah, for sure. So when you're when you're leaving the cabin and you come back for lunch, like. If you're on the boat, like how long is the boat ride typically? Like, do you have like a like a furthest like you you're only going to go this far or like no limit or like like how does that work in your in your in your daily plan? It it, it changes day by day and uh, and sometimes just you know based on if I've overcalled or undercalled. I usually like if I've called in the evening, I try to go back there the next morning because okay. you never know what what you're going to attract. Um, but yeah, I'd say my longest boat ride on the lake I'm on now, probably half an hour ride. Okay, so we're it's on, not a, too bad. on a on a lake. No, no, it's it's a little bit chilly sometimes, but uh, you know I'm Canadian, so we're used to it. But <laughs> I've, I've had some I've had some complaints about the cold from some of our Texans and uh, and Georgians. But right. uh, yeah, it, uh, the boat rides in the, in the first thing in the morning can be cold, but. Uh, it's just beautiful though so it's uh it's a really nice nice time of day to be out yeah so when you call do you call from the boat or do you pull up on shore walk up somewhere to a high point glass and or how's that work so i i typically the boat is for transportation okay so i'll go and sometimes in the morning i'll stop at three four or five different spots um but yeah i'll go to a spot call 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 um if there's nothing and that, I mean, that happens more often than not. Mm-hmm. And, and you jump in the boat and go to another spot. And, uh, yeah, so we're, 
I've I've never called from a boat. Um, we've we've seen moose in the boat, of course, and my son got one last year. My son guides with me also. He got one last year out of the boat, and uh, we've got we got another one. You know, we had to jump out and go into the bush hundred yards to go get the moose, but uh, or to go find them and and, and harvest them. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, typically the boat is for transportation. Okay. Yeah, so like if you're bouncing from spot to spot, I mean, do you do you hit the, like the same spots every day, hoping to call something into that spot, or because I I know some people a when they moose of, hunt, they'll they'll just stick in like one spot and just call and just hopefully in three days this thing's gonna come wandering in. And that, that's probably your your most effective way to do it. Um, I just find for my own mental well being and that of my clients, I I try to switch it up because. Just to sit there and just sit there and call, you're going to get a moose, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's long, so so I do try to, to split it up and go check out different spots and you know head to different parts of the lake. Um, but yeah, there's I've got a couple spots in the lake I'm on. If, if you just sat there for your ten days, guaranteed you're seeing moose. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's a special hunter that is good to just sit put sit tight and 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 be patient right that's i mean that's the biggest thing with a moose hunt is is i mean it's patience because in 10 days you're you know you might have a cumulation of 60 minutes of action right you know you know if you add up all the moose interactions you get uh, you know they're not long so there's a lot of lot of quiet time and a lot of times where you're scratching your head thinking like what is going on <laughs> yeah so as you're bouncing around i'm thinking like because i almost see it like as you're I'm, I'm trying to draw the parallel with like like on horseback bugle and stuff like that you know going down a ridge and things like that like at what point do you like dive in and be like okay like do you wait do you jump to a spot and wait till you hear something you're like okay we're gonna stay here or you you just kind of bounce around and hopefully you see something first or or you hear it and then that's where you're like all right we're gonna go commit to this area yeah we when, when we do bounce around like i'll i'll try and stay at a spot for a, at least an hour or two because like we like we touched on earlier those those nine inch ears i mean a moose can hear you call from miles away especially if you're in a valley and if if it's it's nice and calm and and the air is cold um your call can travel a long ways so it might take it might take moose you know a couple hours to get to you and uh if if you leave in 45 minutes mm-hmm. he comes out maybe you know usually they can come right to where you're standing and they smell that you know that nice bacon grease smell and they're gone All right so that's where patience comes in is we try to stick to a spot for a couple hours um yeah and 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 you can't really overcall with moose because a cow in heat will like she'll call nonstop until a bull comes. Really? And oh yeah, wow. yeah. Like I know with with deer hunting, you kind of do a doe bleed every twenty minutes, but with with like a like a cow in actual heat, she does not stop calling. Wow, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean these bulls, they they walk miles and miles, so. Yeah, so how often, when you say you're, I'm kind of going back to, you said you guys are meat hunters up there, like, but like, is any moose a legal moose? Because I know like, like over like Alaska, like 
some have to be, you know, like over 49 inches or something like that, or, you know, like, how's that work? Yeah. They, so they have different, different laws in the Yukon. It has to be a bull. It has to be so, what you broke up. You know, if, uh, sorry. It has to be a male. Okay. So it's got to be a bull moose. Okay. So if, you know, if it's a 30 incher and the client wants to take it and it's not what we're looking for mm-hmm. and you know, I might get laughed at when we get back to camp, but, uh, <laughs> that's got some big feet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. He looked bigger. I promise. No. So, so, mo- and most of our guys are looking, we're looking for a, a true mature bull moose, you know, a moose that's, that's spread its genes already. Um, ideally you get, you know, one that's nice and wide with rounded off tops. He's, he's, you know, probably a year past his prime, but still big, beautiful trophy that that's the ideal moose to get um up here where i'm in in ontario and even quebec which isn't far from me uh if it has if it's legal if it has an antler uh, we harvest it because it's there's your 400 pounds 500 pounds of meat for the year right um, but up there no we're we're choosy we're we're, we're looking for a, a true true trophy bull moose it's good it's good yeah, and I bet you that's a part of the patience is because how many, I can only imagine how many moose that you would call in aren't mature because you got the young ones that just come running in. Well, and, and yeah, and sometimes they just keep coming back morning after morning. And it's, I had one hunt uh, at a, in a small lake and I mean, it was exciting because we had action nonstop but it was this little 35 inch bull and I swear he thought he was the king of the castle, but he, he would not leave us alone. And it's like, no, no, go get your granddad. Um, (laughs) but yeah, we, we do get a lot of young bulls coming in and it's, it's fun because they come, they come right in. There's no hesitation. So it's good for the client to, to see how it's going to transpire and, and you know, how close we can get these guys. But at the same time, you know, they're not what we're looking for. So, Mm -hmm. So here's a, here's an odd question I got thinking about that that if you got like these young bulls that just keep coming into your calls and stuff like that and they're not leaving the area, like do you kind of like bookmark that in your in your brain a little bit and be like next year I'm gonna come back and see if that little guy's still coming back and see if he's still in the area or do they really migrate off somewhere else? Like can you keep coming back to spots like that? I think in in some small lakes you might have some resident bulls, but up up where we are. Um, bulls hang out up high all year long and they, they only come down to the lakes and rivers, you know, that pre-rut, you know, first week of September. Mm-hmm. And then when the rut's done, they're back up in the hills. So to see, even to, to see the same bull a couple days in a row is, is common, but to see them, you know, two or three weeks later, uh, I highly doubt you'll, you'll see the same bulls. Uh. And we, we, I mean, we've had where we've seen a really nice bull, uh, you know, before the client gets there and never see him again. Oh man. Yeah, so it's not like yeah. it's not like oh man, they keep coming back year after year, same spot, checking things out, like running a big circle. It's just they'll just go wherever they want, whatever cows and heat's going to take them wherever they go. Yeah, pretty much. Now, th- I mean, there are some that have a you know their own territory and they know where the cows are, so they keep coming down. But for the most part, uh, you're going to see different bulls, you know, your entire hunt. Mm-hmm. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as I want to get a little bit into some strategies a little bit, is everything rifle or do you kind of do archery? Is like, is there any kind of separate approach 
strategy wise if you're doing archery or rifle i mean other than just getting close yeah yeah so so i think with 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 mcmillan river uh dave coleman the old outfit well old uh, the outfitter prior to to the to don now um dave coleman ran a lot of bull hunting videos from the 80s and 90s okay and he kind of kind of set the tone for for mcmillan river being a an archery destination okay and uh so we do get a lot of archery hunters probably well i'd, I'd say definitely we have the most archery hunters over other, any other yukon outfitters and you know an archery hunt or an archery guide can do a rifle hunt no problem but a rifle guide could have a hard time doing an archery hunt because it, it's a different it's a different animal mm-hmm. um so yeah so so we're all we're all well versed in archery so we get the moose in close we know how to position the hunter properly um and i say we all like all all of us guides mm-hmm. at mcmillan um and then so when, when you get a rifle hunter uh it's it's a treat because because we already know you know we know how to get them in close we know what to do and then when you got something that can reach out and 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 touch a moose at you know two three hundred yards it's it's a bonus right so when you're saying you you get the you guys know how to get the hunter in position can you kind of go over that process about you know position wise like how, are you separating and calling or how's that work yeah, so in the Yukon, we've got to be within communication distance of our client. So okay. we can't, you know, set him off a couple hundred yards away um, for safety reasons and, and to, you know, to help field judge the moose and everything else. So typically, um, if, if I hear one coming, I'll, I'll usually stand, you know, maybe 20 yards from my hunter. Um, I, have, I have been right beside my hunter when he's, when he's, when he's taking a bull, but... Um, yeah, for the most part, we like to be, you know, if, put the hunter a few yards ahead of us, so we can still communicate if need be, and we're still there to, you know, to protect our client and and to help help field judge. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'll I'll tell the hunter, you look at me until I until I give you the nod, it's it's a no, mm. and uh, so yeah, that's usually how how we run it, and we'll have moose. I mean, my furthest archery was probably thirty yards. Uh, archery kill uh, my closest uh, was about 12 wow so that's really you know. tight i mean is that mainly just tight because of the the cover and it's being so thick or you're just yeah, that so, good so the, <laughs> yeah no i wish i was but uh, yeah no I, I think with thick with thick cover um the moose can't they can't see so mm-hmm. they're coming right to where they heard that call and um so it helps us again you know you snap a little twig and everything else and you, you can get that moose right in so um yeah sometimes you got to move around to get the shot because it is you know there's no clear cuts there's it's bush mm-hmm. um but yeah for the most part the hunters know that it's not like a deer or even an elk an elk or jumpy if you move to get your shot the moose might look at you but he's not bolting mm-hmm. um unless unless he smells you they've got a pretty big snout so i was just gonna say they, they how much of the wind you have to worry about Oh, 100%, 100%. I've got my little windicator, um, and I'm constantly checking the wind because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you can fool them with their eyes and their ears, but you're not fooling their nose. All right. Do they ever try and circle you a little bit? Like, I know some animals do. Like, if they if they hear something and want to come in, they'll circle, so then you got to reposition? Yeah. Uh, a lot of spots, like uh, like on, on lake shores and stuff like that, we can usually put the lake to our back, 
and and so for them to circle they'd have to hit the water and uh i mean moose don't don't care about hitting water but mm -hmm. it is a bit of an advantage for us okay and the, i mean the, these moose i mean the only people that like i was there last september and i'm the next one to be there this september so they're not they're not they don't know humans mm -hmm. so yeah i mean they would try to circle but there's not really a need for them to do it mm -hmm. so they'll just kind of come in right away in a little bit and you just got to make sure that you got the wind in the right in the right direction <laughs> yep so yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna ask the the hot seat question about archery um expandables or fixed for moose what have you seen works doesn't work <laughs> This is the one so, that's going to like cause all the controversy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know expandables work. I like fixed and I don't like two blade. I like a three blade and I don't like a two blade because, uh, you put a two blade broadhead through a moose and, and that wound can seal up really quick. Okay. And then I got nothing to track with. Okay. So if I can't find blood, I mean, and where we're hunting, there's moose tracks everywhere. So, to track it by its track is pretty tough. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like a nice hole. <laughs> you got to punch a hole through it, and that three-blade broadhead um, is ideal for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> as far as like recommendations, do you have any recommendations on like grain or even like poundage of bow or things like that? You know. Uh, no, I mean, I, th I think it comes down to go with as heavy as you can, kind of like a rifle, you know. Yeah, 270 will kill a moose, no problem. But mm -hmm. if you can shoot a 375, then great. Um, but yeah, archery, same thing. I mean, 56 to 60 pounds <clears throat> is adequate. It's mm -hmm. fine. And, and that's what some guys can do. And if, if you're proficient at it, that's enough. But I, I prefer 65 and better. Mm -hmm. Um the reality is, is that the, most of our clients that can afford these hunts aren't 25 years old. Right. So like I had one client last year, he was, uh, 79 years old in phenomenal shape, but you know, you're not going to get that guy to pull a 75 pound draw. Right. Um, but he was, he was an archery hunter and uh, harvested a beautiful bull, but, um, yeah, he's just physically just doesn't have that strength. Right. Yeah. There's only so much, you know, as you get older, you lose muscle mass. It's, it's just how the body works. Yep. yep. But yeah. Um, so you kind of mentioned fitness there a little bit and him being fit. Like, what do you recommend for people to go on a moose hunt? Like what kind of fitness level do you think they should be in? It, you you got to be able to walk. So, and, and walking, you know, walking on your street at home, it's not going to be the same type of walking. If anybody's walked in any bush, uh, you know that you know you're constantly lifting up over deadfall, and 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 I, I mean I, I say it myself, you know I tr I try to get myself in in as good a shape as possible to to be able to walk in the bush, and and it's still the first three or four days you're popping ibuprofen like they're tic tic tacs. So, <laughs> um, there's, yeah, it, it's just, unless you're actually walking in that bush, um, it's hard to mimic it, but you gotta at least be able to walk. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a day pack for, for our clients, because we're in the boats and we're not far, you know, you might be 10, 20 pounds in your back. So it's really nothing to worry about. Yeah. Like carrying um, like extra rain gear and some, you know, maybe your quiver is hanging on it just to save you some space as you're going through the brush or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've got it easy. These, these guys that are 
oh, even on horseback, you jump off the horse and you have to walk a ways or these sheep hunters. I mean, <laughs> they, I've, I've seen a couple of, you know, kind of funny jokes where you get this, you know, a picture of a sheep hunter, a picture of a, of an elk hunter and picture of a moose hunter and the moose hunters typically have the, the biggest guts. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it is because it is, it is a slightly easier hunt, but you can make it a lot easier on yourself if, if you can at least walk. Mm. Yeah. That all makes sense. I mean, you got to move, you got to, they don't all come to you. Sometimes you have to go to them a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, as far as looking at like other gear and stuff like you're talking about walking, like over the, over your years, have you ever come across gear that you don't use anymore? Like, because you're like, well, you using your Gaps wool sweatshirt from 40 years ago, you know. But like, is there any other gear that you've seen over time that uh, you know makes it easier, or or like you're like, I don't even just worry worry about bringing that anymore. I probably still bring I probably 60 percent of the stuff I bring I don't even touch, um, but it's like a crutch, you know. You, you got to have it just in case. Um, on a moose hunt, uh, you know, you, you just you got to be warm. So, uh, you know, a nice windbreaker um, in the boat. So, you know, there's a lot of the, those Kuyu coats and uh, even some of the Sitka stuff that break the wind beautifully. Um, yeah, for gear I don't use anymore. I mean, I, 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 I stick in rubber boots the whole time. So, I mean, I've got a, a pair of expensive hiking boots that are essentially my chainsaw boots now. Um, I use them for hiking throughout the year, but, uh, don't use them on the hunts because moose love water. And if you're walking around water, waterproof boot is pretty handy. Mm -hmm. So if you're running rubber boots, like how do you, how do you keep your feet warm then? Uh, I've had some, some cold times, but I, I run, I, I wear Nokian, uh, rubber boots and they've have a removable felt liner. And, uh, you know what I've, I've deer hunted in those and minus, well, I'll talk Celsius because I don't know what that would be Fahrenheit, but minus 25 Celsius. And no matter what, you're going to get cold if you're not moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, they're pretty good. So, And with the removable felt liner, I can dry them at night. Okay. So in the morning, they're they're 100% dry, which is nice. So Yeah. So you can just take that felt liner out and just what, put them near the fire and the stove or something like that, and it just yeah. dries it right out? Wow. Yep. Even if the boot itself is a bit wet, it doesn't matter because my liner is, you know, nice and dry. <laughs> yeah. So that's what. Go ahead. That's what a lot of the trappers use. So um, I, I get them here at we have a local trap line uh, store, and that's where I get them, and uh, they've been fantastic. Yeah. It's like one of those things that you just like. It, if it works, don't fix. Or it, if it works, don't won't mess it up. Kind of deal. You know, don't don't break it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What about uh, like gear-wise, like knives and things like that for for field dressing? Like not only that, like mobile knives, hatchets. Like, do you have like a have you come through a strategy to break down such a large animal? <laughs> so uh, I think my number one knife is my outdoor edge, um, but I've got to use per moose. I'm probably five or six blades. Really? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, just just skinning them out. They're they're hide so thick that, uh, but I mean, just it's just it's frustrating. But nothing works. And I, I, I say outdoor edge. And a lot of guys use a Havilland, mm-hmm. but uh, I just started with the outdoor edge, so that's what I've stuck with. 
Um, yeah. And then I'll have, um, I've got a little handsaw. Um, I can't even remember the brand. Um, but yeah, just a little handsaw like you cut wood with and it cuts through the ribs. Nice. Um, and, and then the skull plate, I, I, I have a bone saw that, uh, actually one of my client, uh, Matt got me as a, as a gift. Um, so I cut through the skull plate with the, with the bone saw and that, and that's it. Cause we don't touch any of the other, other bones, hmm. um, kind of debone it and, and, and leave it, uh, leave the bones there for the critters to chew on. So. Yeah, so how much uh, how much of the animal you have to take? Do you have to take like rib meat, like everything? Like you just gotta take it all out. Everything. 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 If if there's a hunk of meat that's the size of your fist, it has to come out. Okay. So basically, anything that if you look at your carcass and there's some red on it, get your knife and take it off and bring it home. Wow. So we 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 try to clean them up as as much as possible. Um, well, as much, but you, and there's no choice. It's it's the law. Yeah. So yeah. So bring everything. Every every piece of meat comes out, and then once that meat's out, then you can get the antlers in the cape. Oh. Wow. So how how long does it take you to break down a bull? Uh probably three four hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and it's more because you know part of it you're you're taking photos. You're you're you're. You're tired. You're you know, you know. I always call it the adrenaline dump because mm-hmm. when you get that moose and you go see it, you know, you're high fiving, you're giving hugs, and then you get that dump of adrenaline, and so you're tired. So you know, you got to stop, drink some water, and, and 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 once the moose is down, we're not in a rush. So I've been lucky. I haven't had any serious packouts, um, and I'm lucky because I have my son there, and he's uh, he's tough as nails. So <laughs> he's my uh, my meat hauler. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, I'd say four or five hours. We got a moose done. Wow. Yeah. Assume, assuming he's not too far from the from the water. Right. Yeah, that's definitely a long time to break down an animal for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and we've been carrying them out just with a with a with a frame pack, and um, you know it's four quarters, obviously. Uh, Tenderloin and, and back straps are one load. Uh, neck meat's another load. Neck meat and, and ribs and scrap uh, are another probably two loads. The cape is a load, and then and the antlers are another full load. So there's yeah there's yeah. So you probably so you probably what 150 pounds or so a load that you're hauling out. Yep. Wow. Yeah. 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 Now what kind of frame pack do the you fir- like? I well, I have just a Cabela's one, and uh, ended up busting a, a buckle. So now I got ropes uh, that I just tie in it, and it and it's held. Uh-huh. Um, this year I've got a Kuyu pack that I'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hope, hope we'll try it, and we'll see uh, if it works good. Um, so we'll try that, and uh, but yeah, the, you know the traditional frame pack tends to be. Again, we're not we're not taking these moose off the mountains like like these sheep guys, um, so. Uh, frame pack is, is typically the best yeah just keep it simple yeah yep simple works yep. simple works yeah yep so as far as i kind of want to ask a couple personal questions for you um can you give us a story about your first guided moose hunt what was that like yeah so uh i was lucky my first hunter, Kenny from uh, Georgia, uh, 
Atlanta area. Um, landed uh, introduced himself and right off the bat we hit it off he he was just just such a happy guy and and just a, a real joy to be around so I, I i i was lucky um you know we sat down in the camp got ready for the hunt and and uh hit it off i think with him uh the one thing that had me um a little stressed was it was his second hunt and and these moose hunts aren't cheap so i was you know being a numbers guy i was doing the math and and thinking holy jumping he's got a lot of money invested in getting a moose so it, it put a lot of pressure on me but um anyhow it, it all worked out but you know i remember sitting there telling them you know the first the first couple of days you know we're going to play with some some smaller bulls get a get a good feel for it we'll have some fun and then by day four or five, you know, we'll, we'll, the big bull boys will come down and uh, and and we'll, we'll we'll get a big bull, and that was a lot of ignorance on my part because you know watching, you know, all these Yukon videos and and uh, it just looked easy. So I just thought, you know, we're gonna get out here and it's gonna be, it's gonna be easy. I can call moose. I'm, I was confident in that, and uh, yeah, well, it'll be a cakewalk. So the first couple of days we did get a couple of young bulls come in and uh, had one come in, you know, eight, nine yards from Kenny, which, you know, he had never seen before. So that was, it was exciting, but we're not there to, to shoot a, a 25 incher. Um, we're there to get a mature bull for him. And uh, so that was fun. And then I think day four, we went for an afternoon walk and me being, you know, being new and not, you know, I had never set foot in the area. Uh, found this lake on a map, so we walked over to the lake and get there, and it was a heck of a, of a tough walk. And uh, get there, and there's not a not a sign of moose anywhere. So I looked at him and turned. I said, "Don't no, turn around. We got to go. This isn't going to work." And uh, he was a little de- dejected, but uh, <laughs> we jumped across the river into another pond. And uh, Colin and Glasson, there was a hillside up there, so we're Glasson and. I thought I saw a moose up there, but it, anyways, it wasn't. And all of a sudden, this this big bull comes crashing through and trotting over to us. He's about 60 yards. And I put the uh, binoculars on him just to try and get a good judge on him. And he didn't have big fronts, but he was he was a he was a good bull. So I just said to Kenny, I said, No, 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 he's not he's not big enough. And he said, Oh, are you sure? And yeah, yeah, no, we're we're gonna pass on this guy, and uh, which we shouldn't have, but. So we get back to camp and we're making dinner. And uh, so Kenny says to me, he says, you know, that was, that was a pretty big moose. I said, oh, yeah. He said, I, you've seen bigger? I said, that's the biggest moose I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we should have never passed him up. But um, anyways, uh, we did. And then uh, day six, I believe, we were calling in the morning and heard this. And it's funny when I – mean, and you might, you know, feel the same with elk too. But when you hear a grunt, like it's like as soon as I heard that moose, I looked at Kenny and I said, "Get ready." I, for whatever reason, I knew, or I felt that this 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 was the one. Mm-hmm. And then he stepped out and come down the riverbank and crossed the river at us. The river's like a, a foot or two deep, so it's uh, you know, it's not a not a big crossing for him. And Kenny put a couple arrows in him, and he died on the riverbank. And uh, that bull ended up being sixty six and three quarter inch, which uh, which Jeez. was you know a true trophy. Yeah, so it worked out, but. Um, I should have never passed that first bowl, mm. but anyways, it worked out for the better. And, uh, Kenny's been a lifelong friend since, and, 
yeah so that was that was the first introduction to to guiding but again i had it easy because i had a really good client and uh so it was it was just a, a good experience all around mm-hmm. and then that same first year my second hunter um matt same story he had been there the year before and so again i'm doing the math and thinking oh god you know my outfitter's trying <laughs> to kill pressure, me pressure pressure yeah then he gets off with this weird case and, I, and i'm looking at it and i'm like what the heck kind of gun case is that and uh he gets off the plane he's oh no I, that's that's a recurve bull oh no uh, bull <laughs> i said well what's what's your range 15 yards <laughs> and i thought oh my god just get back on the plane it's not going to happen and it probably took me three or four days to get it out of my own head you know i was just stressed out about 15 yards 15 yards but it probably took like day four when i finally said to myself you know what just hunt mm-hmm. and if the moose comes to 20 and he can't shoot it you know just just hunt mm-hmm. and uh so we had a couple couple days where we seen a few a couple days where we hadn't seen any and because he was a repeat customer um on day six uh, the outfitter had messaged me at around i'm gonna say around 1 45 p.m and i and i know that because i have i, I took a screenshot of our in-reach text um so anyways you, you know ask matt if he wants to go to another camp uh there's another camp that they were done so i asked matt and matt's like well i'd rather stay but like what do you think so again not knowing not knowing any outfitter i said well if he's offering there's got to be a reason they must be on moose somewhere so if I were you, I'd do it. So I text, I text the outfitter as a dawn. Matt will move. Um, you know, tomorrow morning we'll be ready. So Matt looks at me and says, "Well, should you know? Let's go back to camp. I'll pack stuff up." And I said, "Well, we're out here now. Let's let's just go do a few calls at least." <clears throat> so I had texted Don around two o five, saying, "Yeah, Matt will move. You know, see you in the right, morning." Yeah. And and then. Um, walk in a hundred yards to do a couple calls and i hear the squirrel going crazy so i looked at, at matt and i said um that's a bull i said get ready <laughs> he said what do you mean i said well i didn't hear a squirrel at all and now i'm hearing him way back there and then you know a couple seconds later I hear a twig snap and i look at him as it's game on anyways this bull comes in and uh gave matt the perfect shot at 12 yards and he put uh, actually put the arrow right through the heart moose went maybe 30 and mm. uh and folded so i texted back the outfitter canceled the flight and it was literally like 18 minutes from when i told him <laughs> go ahead uh, and move so the, the outfitter texts back with a few explicit uh words saying holy jump and that's that's amazing congratulations and right yeah but yeah it was it was just funny it uh just happened that way and 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 i'm glad because uh, Matt's become a good friend and uh, a guy I really like chatting with and uh, yeah he got a beautiful moose and so that you know turned what probably would have been my first and last year into uh, kind of a an addiction that I, that I can't seem to shake so yeah it's funny how something will grow on, grow on you like that I mean having those experiences on how fast things can happen and yeah I could definitely see how you just like man it just it's that moment you can sit there for six days and all of a sudden boom it's there Wow. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Just yeah, uh beautiful bold. Yeah, just a couple more questions for you here. We'll wrap things up. Um Yeah. As far as you know, guiding itself, could you say that it has changed at all as an outdoorsman at all? Like have you learned anything or become better at certain things that you never thought you would have? Yeah, I, I think um 
first off, I think there's a piece of me that's that's stuck up there. Um, I'm physically in Ontario, but I'm I'm still in the Yukon. I I, I love it there. Um, I don't I don't see me I don't see there there be a possibility that I'd never go back. Um, I think guiding itself has um, changed me as a hunter in in terms of I, I actually don't care if I ever shoot another animal uh, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be more than happy to to sit in on a hunt, to take a kid, take a friend, take a. Um, but to be honest, if I never shot again and and but got to experience that with someone else, um, that would be fantastic. Um, I, I'd sell all my guns today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Couldn't couldn't care less about shooting again. But I'd have to be out there because it is it is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there, one hundred percent. Yeah, and then I think you know it's I've learned a lot in in terms of like like my whole thing is I I'm always trying to please someone and sometimes you just can't please everyone every minute of the day and and if 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 anything i I probably need to learn it a little bit a little bit more but you just got to learn just just to roll with it and um yeah sometimes all you can do is your best yeah and that's i mean that's going to be good enough for some and not good enough for others so Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so if there is one thing that you would tell somebody who's looking to become a guide, what advice would you give them? Take the initiative. So, so I, I, I've had a lot of guys, like especially locally here, like, well, what the heck makes you so special that you can guide Yukon Moose? And I said, well, I made the call. I, you know, I called the outfitter and I expressed a desire to guide. That, that's the difference. Yeah. I, I know tons of guys here that that are way better hunter than i am but they haven't made that call Mm -hmm. and uh and a lot of guys are still more interested in in shooting something themselves so um yeah you know what if you if you actually want to guide take take the initiative Mm -hmm. and don't don't be afraid to call you know i called a bunch of outfitters that i you know were, were probably okay outfitters but i ended up calling what i would say is the best of the best and, and here I am, I'm, you know, playing in the NHL and, uh, yeah. And it's basically cause I made the call. All right. Yeah. 100%, 100%. So last thing here, where people can find you if they want to learn more about you and watch some of your epic, uh, moose hunts you got like internet, Facebook, YouTube, I think you got a YouTube channel. I think I saw somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I've got my, and I got my YouTube channel. It's peaches outdoor adventures. And the reason I, I put my videos up there is that, you know, now they're timeless. If I lose a phone or, or lose a computer, they're up there for, uh, I don't know, maybe the grandkids can, can look at that and see how goofy their grandfather was, whatever. But, yeah, I'd say YouTube, uh, Instagram. I think my Instagram's open, and it's Peaches Outdoor Adventures also. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to see what McMillan River's all about, we've got a website, McMillan River Adventures. Um social media facebook instagram a uh, couple of youtube videos um and then the website uh, the website's up to date and it's it's great but yeah yeah well cool i'll that, put all those links and stuff point. in the show notes and uh yeah dude man this has been great i i had fun this was a this was a good podcast like i said before i was looking forward to this one i'm glad we were able to connect it and uh we had this call man so good luck in september here it's just a few weeks away for you so i know you're pretty stoked 
Yeah, it's funny. We're you know talking with the other guides. We've got a you know messenger group and uh, chatting. The guys are getting excited and probably bugging the heck out of Don, but uh, Don the outfitter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're we're pumped. Uh, we got my son coming out with me again. He's he's almost packed up, so we're ready to go. Cool. On to the next adventure. Yeah, awesome. Well, good luck this season, and uh, we'll touch base when you get back. Uh, you know, at the end of the season, I'd like to hear some more stories. Yeah, that sounds great. And thanks for doing this. It was, it was a pleasure. All right, great.